When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We spend seemingly our entire draft cycle talking about which players to take. Zero RB versus robust RB. We're even, you know, getting smarter. We're talking about game theory. We're talking about uniqueness. We're talking about exposure percentages and all of these things. But what we haven't talked about is the main thing that drives all of those points. How much exposure should we have to a player? What kind of structure should we have? Which players should we target? And that's the 2022 fantasy football draft environment, the draft landscape. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Different pockets of the draft, elite quarterbacks, elite tight ends, late round quarterbacks, late round tight ends, the running back landscape, the first round. What do you even do in the first round? Because not every first round pick is the same. We're going to get into all of that today. So for anyone not watching live, and I, I guess technically for the people watching live too, I was rushing back. I tried to take the dogs for a walk right before this. It's like a thousand degrees outside. We haven't gone today because it's too freaking hot. They are Husky Shepherd mixes. They cannot be outside. And uh, it's, it's uh, literally a, like a hundred plus degrees here and humid as hell. But I'm like, I'm going to get out there, maybe tire them out a little bit. So for the first time in the history of Spike Week, they aren't running around in the background, barking, hollering, doing all of that. And A, it is so freaking hot outside that I'm sweating my ass off right now. Still absolutely sweating my ass off. And uh, we pushed it a little too close to the buzzer. To, you know, the shot clock was running out on time for me to get back and get ready and, and get down here. So we have been scrambling for the last few minutes um, to get ready. So I apologize for being, what, two minutes late or something like that. But holy shit, I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, not the same pain, but like the sweat from eating the, eating the hot wings is what, uh, is what I feel right now. But I've been thinking about, this show, right? I've been thinking about, um, you know, new strategy concepts and all of that. I mean, this is all like <laughs> a disgusting life that I lead. These, these are the things that I think about constantly throughout my day, throughout my week. And trying to think about, we can talk about the same bullshit strategy stuff every Thursday that everybody talks about. That, that I talk about, that I tweet about, that we talk about in, in Discord. But I'm, 
I want to cover some of the stuff that, you know, maybe is not quite the exact same thing that we're all thinking about, even that I'm thinking about. Selfishly, I'm using a lot of this stuff to better my process and think about some different things and become and become smarter. And it just like kind of struck me listening to I don't remember what it was, but if you watch draft streams here and elsewhere and everybody talks about like, oh, this pocket of the draft, right? People, oh, I hate this pocket of the draft or I hate this, you know, I hate drafting at the turn because of this. Or I don't like taking this player. Someone someone likes whatever. We were talking in the Discord the other day about Pat Fryermuth. Uh, today, yesterday, I, I can't remember. We're talking about Pat Fryermuth. And, um, you know, pe- some people like him. Some people don't really like him. Whatever. And the conversation is always leading with well he here's the stats that he had here's what i think about him as a player blah 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 and this is what i do too here's what his projection is here's what his ceiling is whatever and nobody ever nobody ever talks about the real reason why you know if a guy is really just <clears throat> truly that mispriced i mean I, I don't really think that's possible at that point we'll get to that in a second but the conversation is always, <clears throat> oh, he's good, or oh, he's not good at football. Or, oh, look at this stat that says he's good. But on the flip side, we never say, like, well, how does he fit into the draft landscape, right? Like, how do, how do these players – why is a player a good or a bad pick is sadly not just – you know, we're not scouting the players. We're drafting – teams in this like weird fucked up strategy game that we play that we spend $25 today and draft the team and we don't we don't get hopefully we make hopefully we make $10 in January of 2023 but as crazy as it sounds it's not is this dude i mean these things are a part of the process is this player good right what are some of the data points to back up is he good or is he bad or whatever but the real point to all this is like, where do all these guys fit as puzzle pieces in this draft landscape that we're drafting in right now? Right. Josh Allen is awesome. Josh Allen is my QB one and everyone's QB one and is very clearly the best bet to be uh, the QB one overall. He's awesome. I haven't drafted Josh Allen yet. Um, in BBM for sure. I think I maybe have gotten like one one like late third round Josh Allen team or something that I stacked with Gabe Davis on DraftKings. Uh, I'll, I can pull it up in a minute. But point being, Josh Allen's awesome. I, I actually don't have a negative thing to say about Josh Allen. But when you analyze the 2022 landscape, for me personally, I'm not I'm not draft I'm not drafting him where he where he goes. <clears throat> There are too many other high-value targets there. That doesn't mean that that's right, but that's my assessment of the situation. And so people start with the players and their player takes or even their strategy takes. I'm a zero RB drafter, so I have to draft XYZ. Or I like this player. This player has these good statistics behind him from last year. I have to draft 
this way. When it really starts with this whole landscape idea, right? If running back is crazy strong at the top, this is not the case. <clears throat> if running back is crazy strong at the top and wide receiver is crazy weak, like just, just let's just say, for instance, this year, nobody comes to the Cooper Cup level. We just have, you know, maybe Jamar Chase gets hurt. Justin Jefferson gets hurt. Stefan Diggs is just kind of the same thing you did last year. People are worried about Devontae, which I totally understand, right? Being in Oakland, he's not going to be the same Devontae. You're worried about Tyreek because now he's in Miami. He's not with Mahomes. You're worried about A.J. Brown because now he, he's, you know, in another run first situation, whatever. What if there's just none of these guys pop? And next year, CMC stays healthy. JT stays healthy. Who knows? Najee is a smash. Whatever. These guys are all smashes. That changes the landscape of what we're, we're drafting in, right? It will be different. And we should thus treat it differently. But I find myself far too often being like, uh, I, I like this player or I don't like this player. Or I believe in this strategy or I don't believe in this strategy. And some of it is because of the things we're going to talk about here with like the 2022 landscape. But also some of it is a little bit of stubbornness and just, and a little bit of laziness at times. Like I do like this player. I don't like this player, whatever, as opposed to the whole game that we play revolves around what the landscape of, of who like the, the players are all chess pieces, right? And the chess pieces all cost different amounts, but you know, the, the round that they go in the ADP that they have. And so I'm trying to use all those chess pieces and move them around and put them together to my advantage, as opposed to just like, picking one i don't i don't i don't go pick one chess piece and say this one's the best chess piece regardless i gotta put this you know this puzzle together and so um i wanted to talk about that today it also uh, again selfishly uh motivated me to to write the article about this subject that i have been uh <laughs> meaning to write for i don't know a week, a week or two, which I'm going to share my screen and kind of use this and the um, ADP and such as a uh, kind of driving force for this conversation. So you see here, you go to Spike Week. This this article is 100% free, so anybody can anybody can read it. But it's titled "How to Draft Optimally Within the 2022 Fantasy Football Environment," and that's and that that's what you you see here, right? That that's what I'm. I wrote way too many, way 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 too many words about this. But I'm, I'm, I think it's important to talk through it too here on the stream. And you guys can also provide feedback, differences of opinion, maybe some other ideas around the subject. Sorry, I'm really thirsty. Uh, taking the dogs for uh, that walk was a, just a truly a horrible, a horrible idea. Well, how do we start puzzles? I'm a four corners kind of guy. I think, isn't that, I am not a puzzles expert. Tony, I'm not a puzzles expert, and I'm guessing that you're not either. But I, uh, based on the fact that you had to ask, but I, <laughs> I, th I think that's how you're supposed to start. Aren't aren't you supposed to start with the corners? Isn't that like what you're supposed to do, or is that wrong? I don't know. That seems like the only way to start a puzzle, which is kind of this conversation that we're talking about here, right? The but the four corners can be different things for everybody else, right? Everybody is everybody is putting together a different puzzle in their mind, basically. I'm putting together a picture of Gabe Davis. 
Tony's putting together a picture of Nico Collins and Najee Harris. And, but you start with the, the corners or the edges. And I understand that other people have different corners and edges. But to me, the corners and the edges are this. The corners and the edges are like if Josh Allen was the 101, we wouldn't take him. And honestly, Josh Allen goes at like the two, three turn on DraftKings. And that's just crazy to me, given given the other quarterbacks, right? Um, we also talked today in the Discord about um, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray goes like, you can get Kyler in like the middle of the sixth round, at least on DraftKings. Again, I've been drafting a little bit more on DraftKings lately as opposed to underdog. I'm about to get back into the underdog streets. But, you know, even on drafters, goes a little bit later. You can get Kyler, who is not that different of a bet, <clears throat> to Josh Allen. Yes, he's worse. There's, that's why Josh Allen goes at the 2-3 turn, and Kyler goes in the sixth round. But that gap is not so significant. And those 2v2s in particular is the big thing. When I get to the middle of the sixth round and all those high upside wide receivers are gone, I would I would love to have back that chance at A.J. Brown <laughs> or whoever. Name your second, third round wide receiver. I would love to get that second or third round wide receiver back or what used to be Saquon Barkley. Josh Allen went at the same ADP as Saquon Barkley <laughs> for a stretch. I would much rather have Saquon Barkley than the sixth round running back that I had, then Josh Jacobs or whatever. And Kyler Murray, right? You start playing these two V two games out in your head. And that's like this one little micro example from within this entire, this entire, uh, environment. <laughs> uh, Paul says Trey Lance is a, a, a centerpiece and all paths lead to Lance. I do, uh, uh, also zip it. FF doom. Uh, I think we don't need to get into, we don't need to talk, spend another uh, episode um, talking about Trey Lance, but I think that is another element that I actually didn't cover in this, in this article. Cause I think the market has gotten fairly settled in. We're going to get movement for sure, but the market is now when we're drafting gotten fairly settled in you guys that are in the chat have been like all of us drafting for months now. And we, Trey Lance, we remember him going in the hundreds and now he's going in the seventies. And so, um, he's still a part of my strategy, of course, but Trey Lance is very much so a cornerstone to how you think about drafts when he's going in the hundreds. Right. And now when he's in the seventies, he's still a piece of the strategy, but that, that uh, totally changes the game, right? Which is like, see, like the play that this kind of top bullet, like player and team ADP, like the Josh Allen thing, like Trey Lance going at pick 110 is like, is a, is an edge piece. Trey Lance going at pick 70 is like a part of the, is like somewhere in the middle. <laughs> you know, he's some, some piece that you never figure out where the fuck it goes until uh, you're close to done. I hate puzzles. Who made puzzles? Why do why do people do puzzles? That's fun for people. Like finding these pieces and putting them together. Like I like it when there's like like this, like sports and money involved and stuff. But like sit down and get these little cardboard 
things with a picture on it? Like, just show me the fucking picture. Why do I have to spend a long time putting these little weird pieces together? I don't know. It's a very weird human, weird human thing. If if I'm if I'm gonna die on puzzles are stupid, I'm more than happy to. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, here we go. 200k guaranteed puzzle contest. See, I would play. I would study. I would study the optimal way to put puzzles together. I would have schooled Tony at the very top of the episode when he said, "I, I you know, I start with the four corners," well, I, which I think is correct. But you know what I mean? We would have really got deep into this. Uh, we would have got really deep into this. I would 100% yell, even at a 100-piece puzzle. Imagine the, what, th- you know, thousands and thousands of pieces of a puzzle. And just, like, dumping them out all over the table and, like, have fun. I don't know. That's not that's not fun to me. But fun to me is also something, like, that other people think is incredibly stupid. Like Hacker says, people that do puzzles don't understand uh, drafting fantasy football teams in March and April. So I, I I don't really, I'm not throwing shit. Sorry to the puzzle lovers. I don't, uh, I'm not throwing shade at it. I just, it's not for me. It's kind of like early running backs. I get it. You don't have to, you don't have to reply to my tweet and tell me about early running backs. I fucking get it. I just, it's not for me. A little worried about your your running backs because your RB1 is Kareem Hunt. Like, I know. You don't like this. I don't like your teams. You guys like puzzles. I don't like puzzles. That's okay. We can like different things. We can disagree. Not on the internet in 2022. You're not allowed to disagree. But... Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Jake says, my two-year-old son would smoke you fools in, in puzzles, and his name is Bullock, which is very which is very funny. Carlos says, my lame best friend who loves fantasy doesn't even understand drafting best ball teams in the summer. Yeah, a lot of people don't. We'll get there. We'll get there. There's a reason, Carlos, that I... <laughs> four to five days a week, year fucking round, I'm doing streams talking about... Uh, this subject because I believe it's going to continue to grow and be the future. But I assure you, no one understands that people think you're a moron for caring about fantasy football in March more than me. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's definitely a year, a year, <laughs> a year round sport, but um, the, the, that it's not the consensus. So let's talk about, uh, yeah, and so this is the problem, Tony. The best way to get good at puzzles is practice. I agree. I don't want to fucking practice puzzles. That's the problem. It's like it's like I don't like to play tennis. I I could get better at tennis if I went out there, but I fucking hate it. So I don't want to do it. And I don't I'm not I'm not good enough at it to make any money. I've made a little money at this best ball thing. I don't still don't know if I'm good enough to make money at it, but I have so far. So I would like to keep trying. I would like to do what you did and make a million dollars. I can do that. I can't do that making puzzles as far as I know. Maybe that maybe I can. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna go busto in best ball this year. Everybody keeps telling me I can't draft 
you know, more than 15% of a player because you're, you know, you're going to go broke. Like I'm spending my life fucking savings on, on best ball. So I guess that's, what's going to happen. I'm going to go. Gabe Davis is going to bust. Oh no. Trey Lance is going to bust. And I'm going to be broke because apparently everybody spends their life savings on their best ball teams. <laughs> and I'm going to go be a master puzzle maker. That's the plan. You heard it here first. I'm not diversifying enough my uh, player exposures. I'm going to be like, I won't have any dollars to put into best ball next year because of the few thousand bucks I spent on Gabriel Davis. <laughs> so I'm going to go into puzzles. Anyway, 2022 let's, let's, let's get, let's get no more puzzles. Puzzle talk. How you led me into the exposure thing. Uh, Clearly, it hit you. We hit a trigger. So anyway, first thing. First thing, yeah. Way to go. Way to derail. I'm kidding. I'm easily derailed by my own stupidity. The first thing you see here, talk about the the top five. I think I think it's actually the the very first and clearest thing. Even a total noob, uh, even a total noob to puzzles can figure out to put the, to find the corners first. Even a total noob to fantasy football can figure out that the top five players in this year are like so significantly better than everybody else that like you need to think about your strategy as it pertains to those guys. I obviously wrote here a lot about, you know, a a bunch of different nuances to the top five picks, but the, the, the general point and premise, right. Is a first round pick is not a first round pick. I know um, Tony disagrees. You know what? He has Najee Harris. Some people might like Derek, you know, shout out soccer Dave or whatever might like Derek Henry. Some people, some people might uh, have different opinions on this, but if you go across the literally the entire market and we'll get to the Najee thing, we'll go across the literally the entire market. Those top five guys are very clearly in, in a tier of their own. The Najee thing is uh, where we get to kind of the the next step. What do you do? You can't always get a top five pick or as, as what Tony is doing, you can, if you want to just take a stand on someone against and say, the market is wrong about this. I'm right about this back to the exposure thing. That's okay. You, you, people confuse a high risk tolerance with with necessarily a poor strategy. I don't personally agree with the Najee thing, but I get what someone is doing. I mean, that's a, clearly a high up. How many workhorse backs do we have in the entire NFL that are in their second year, whatever? There's definitely reasons to like Najee Harris. But once you get beyond the top, if you're anybody besides Tony, once you get beyond the, the, the top five, A, the first, the very clearest thing, which I think is, I wrote here and I felt stupid writing it. But it's really just don't get fancy. And if Najee is in, if there's a top six for you, Najee's in your top six. He's in the same tier. There's a top six for you. When those guys are gone, like if, if, if you pick ninth and Jamar Chase falls to ninth, Praise to the praise the best ball gods. Be like grateful. Scoop him up. 
Don't worry. I don't care if you have 30% Jamar Chase. If he falls to the ninth pick, you just fucking take him. So all the other stuff gets thrown out the window because this top five thing is important, right? And that's where some of the other conversations get lost. It's like, if that guy's the best, that guy's the best at that pick. You don't, you don't take a worse player because of these other strategic elements that you care about, like diversification, like week 17, like all this other stuff. People have put the cart in front of the horse with the really basic stuff where we all agree that these top five, these are, these guys are uh, uh, an example of a greater thing in fantasy football, but these top five guys are the top five guys or these top six guys for Tony are the top six guys. Once you like uh, factor that in, the other stuff is secondary. Your portfolio and all of that, you don't actively take something that is significantly lesser valued just because it's going to take you from 30 to 31% on this player or 15 to 16% on this player. The expo the you don't take a worse projected player like a significantly worse projected player because of another lever. Those other levers are lower down on the decision-making totem pole, lower on the decision tree. And so uh, the top five is, a, is an important thing to understand, generally speaking, to know going into drafts. It's also an example of a greater kind of issue that exists in, in uh, best ball. The other thing is the fact that what do we do if we don't get one of the top five guys? Right or shit, what happens if we're really unlucky and we just don't get the top five guys as much as the field? That can happen. It, it's not like the sites get to, you know, evenly divide all of our picks where we get the same amount of number ones, twos, twelves, whatever. It's random. You can easily get a, just a shit ton of tenth picks. And this isn't just for that, but like, what do you do when you pick? ninth and those guys are not available you don't get you don't even get maybe the benefit of picking at the turn where you can kind of double tap second tier players you just get thrown into this next tier where after those top five guys or again or top six after those top five guys there's like how many like hackers hackers throwing saquon and i have zero issue with that saquon is one of my highest owned players, maybe my highest own running back up there as one of my highest own running backs. It's slowly changing a little bit as he rises in price, but still, I think he's underpriced. But he's a perfect example. This dude was going in the middle of the third round when we started doing when we started doing drafts. Now he's in the middle of the second round. But you go into that next tier with Najee Eckler, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Saquon, Aaron Jones, Mike Evans, CeeDee Lamb, even Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, right? Debo, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown. What is the fucking difference between all of those guys? Yes, we can like, we can sit here and argue. Some people obviously like Najee more. Some people like Saquon more. Some people like Debo more, AJ Brown, whatever. But truthfully, if we're being honest with ourselves, that is a tier that goes to like mid, late third round. Let's just call it the middle of the third round. So from the middle of the first round to the middle of the third round, it's like we could make a case for all of them. Saquon went in the middle of the third round. I could make a case he should be the sixth. I, he should be that sixth guy, even over Najee. I could make that 
I could make that case. I think some people would make that case, <laughs> right? I could make the case for um, Diggs, Debo, AJ Brown, Kyle Pitts. We can make the case for so many of these guys. And so, so then what do you do, right, in this top end of drafts when it's this gigantic tier that's all the same? Two things for me. I think I'm dying of dehydration. I'm glad I brought some extra water. Um, two things. One that 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 I've been doing is um, you see, like I said, uh, my personal my, my personal my personal favorite approach is uh, is actually Travis Kelsey, and I, I perfect example of analyzing the 2022 environment instead of the player take thing. If you came into this year, I mean, I would have been like, whatever, Travis Kelsey's fine just because Tyreek Hill is gone. And obviously, I mean, I, I shouldn't need to, to go into really much about Travis Kelsey. Uh, the fact that Tyreek Hill is gone, he plays for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he's the best fantasy tight end in the league. Probably has some decent upside. But I'm also very anti-old player. Um, there's a lot of guys here at the top that I that I do really like. And... Coming into the year, I don't think I ever would have said, oh, yeah, Travis Kelsey smash at the 106. Like, not at all. I actually would have came in saying, like, that's ridiculous. That's He's 34 or whatever. Like, that's absurd. You you can't take him there. Tyreek Hill, th this offense might crater without Tyreek Hill. You can't take this old tight end. Without Tyreek Hill on the offense, the team is like almost in a, a mini rebuild. You can't take him at the 106. I would have, I would have laughed at myself for even putting this on the internet. <laughs> but when you analyze this draft environment and you see the top five, and then you see this tier where everybody's the fucking same after that tier, <clears throat> what's the way to kind of leverage against those top five? easiest way is to be like well i'm just not going to take those positions i'm going to i'm going to play for the scenario in which travis kelsey just dusts the tight end field travis kelsey is the tight end one he beats the ever living shit out of every other tight end because he plays for the chiefs and guess what tyree kill isn't there you think tyree kill juju sky Moore, these mvs you think these guys are you know stealing targets from travis kelsey of course not that's it. This is the case we're making, right? He's he's gonna catch 125 passes and 15 touchdowns at tight end, and tight end is so weak, <clears throat> he's just gonna distance himself from the field. And so, even though Justin Jefferson's awesome, Cooper Cup's awesome, CMC, etc., Jonathan Taylor, Chase are awesome, you get this tight end who ends up actually being the best first round pick, and you got him pick six through pick ten or whatever. So you end up overweight on this first round tight end. And he he's like the 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 key. You know, he's the skeleton key. He's the he's the leverage point. You know, he could suck because he's old. And who knows what happens with the Chiefs without Tyreek. But that's the way I'm thinking about it. And just one way to think about it. It doesn't have to be that that's what you also believe, but that's that's kind of, especially on PPR sites, that's what I've been thinking. It's a, a smidge different on, on underdog, but not particularly.
The other thing is, again, because of this huge tier, <clears throat> like we talked about, you go from the 106 to the 306, and all these dudes are the same. Well, how do you then kind of create some leverage on the field knowing that you're giving up projected points? Well, it would be to create these combinations of players that the field just doesn't have. Uh, Greg said, Hacker, Hacker said, uh, uh, I think it was Hacker that said uh, Saquon. Yeah, Saquon, like Saquon is the answer. Well, start, if Saquon is the answer, start figuring out ways to get combinations of Saquon with all these dudes that no one's going to have with Saquon, right? Maybe you think Debo is the answer. Debo like fairly strictly goes, you know, in that middle of the second round, like pretty strictly goes in the middle of the second round. Some people will do the Devante, right? Us gal brain week 17 people will do the Devante uh, Debo thing at, you know, the 111 and, and uh, 202, whatever. But generally speaking, Debo goes in a pretty tight band in the second round. So take Debo with the other second round, middle of the second round picks. You get to the turn, take Debo 111 and whatever, DeAndre Smith, DeAndre Swift at the 202, or him and Mark Andrews, or him and whatever, right? You get the point. Take these guys that are um, these unique combinations of players that the field is just not going to have. And more importantly, the field is not going to have when they don't get that top five player where we all think he is. You have an instant downgrade from not having the top five. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Carlos. Jamar Chase felt. See, it is interesting. Uh, Chase fell to Carlos uh, in the ninth, in the puppy, and uh, that's interesting because he he doesn't he didn't really fall doesn't really fall on underdog at all. You'll get lucky on DraftKings every once in a while. Um, that is what Tony is doing with Najee, <clears throat> with the player combinations, and I think it's I think it's I think it's brilliant. You just need to be right about Najee. You're right about that one thing. And then all these other combinations, just like you didn't have to do anything, right? Everybody else is like, well, I'm just going to drop 10%. I'm going to drop 8 point whatever percent of every single one of the 8.3% of every single player. And now I need, I'm, I'm not going to have any combinations of any of these players. I'm going to have one team that has a combination of every single one of these players. So now you've just made it significantly harder on yourself, right? You literally had to win through structure. And guess what? All the other sharp players are winning through structure. Not, we can't all win $2 million through structure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's everybody. I'm going to win through structure. Well, I, my structure is good too. And uh, Tony's structure is good. And hacker structure and FF Doom structure and Paul structure, everybody's structure is good. So how else are you winning? Because we can't all win through structure. I mean, we all might create plus EV portfolios, but we can't all win a million dollars through structure. Sorry, we're hitting all the hot button issues uh, here. Paul says, I moved Lamb to 107 in the Puppy 2, so I was getting combos with players that are going at the same ADP as Lamb. Exactly. Pick how pick whichever approach you want, right? That CD one is a, is a perfect one. 
what Tony is doing with Najee is a perfect one. What I'm doing with Kelsey is a very similar thing to both of those. It's like, I just made Kelsey the 106. If I don't get one of the top five guys, I'm probably going to get Kelsey. <laughs> and then I'm just going to have as many different combinations with Travis Kelsey as possible and be like, okay, on my teams that didn't get one of the top five, I have Kelsey and I have a combination with them. Diggs is my 107. He he is he didn't used to go here on underdog. Um, and he doesn't go this high on DraftKings, but same thing. Okay, I don't get that. It's gonna be Diggs and Kelsey. It's not even for a lack of interest in Najee or Eckler or whatever. I see the case for those guys entirely. It's just what am I gonna do to combat the teams that don't have what I think are just a total tier above first pick? Yep, definitely. Paul says you got to be sure to uh, make sure you're not. If you do this, like particularly with CD, with Kelsey, it's not as big of a difference. But with uh, or with Najee, but with um, you do something like CD or Debo or whatever, right? You do them at the 106, 107. You got to make sure that you don't like in a in a draft at one out of every six or seven drafts, somebody falls and you're like, you actually got a player that that combination isn't, isn't very unique. Hacker says, I've been getting Kyler at the four or five turn to mix his team with the topics. That's I've been, I've been doing a little bit similar, similar to anybody that knows me has seen uh, me post about it and me stream about it and stuff that Kyler, um, Kyler Hollywood specifically, but Kyler, Kyler's my big quarterback stand um, with Lance, obviously Kyler. Um, is a guy I'm just constantly smashing. And so I kind of just like move him around. The, he's my chess piece. I move Kyler around the board depending on kind of how I've started or whatever. Cause I just want to get all these different Ky Kyler combinations. Once I have, which here's the other thing, you're never going to have all the combinations covered that you want. And so that's also the fool's, the, the fool's gold that people will talk about. Like, like, Oh, I have 25% of this guy. That's, that's too much. And they, they don't actually know what combinations of players they have with that guy. Like if I have 25% of Kyler and I only have a couple of him stacked with DeAndre Hopkins and like, maybe you want that, but maybe you don't. Maybe I only have a couple of him stacked with Hollywood. Maybe I only have a couple of him with Kyle Pitts as the week 17 bring back. Maybe I only have a couple with Rondale, whatever. Maybe I only have more importantly than those, what the, what people actually miss more than just the stacks is I look at your Kyler. I have 25% Kyler. How many Kyler teams, how many Kyler Hollywood teams do I have? And look at through all the first round picks and look through all the second round picks and look through all the third round picks and be like, oh shit, I don't have Kyler CMC Hollywood. Like I don't have it. Even though I have 25% Kyler, I don't have Kyler with CMC. That's, you'll be stunned when you look through the player combinations, um, which you, if you get draft IQ on Spike League, shame, shameless plug, if you get this draft tool here, draft IQ, um, which I do have, I, I can pull it up actually. Let's take a let's take a quick detour. Let's take a quick let's take a quick detour over to all draft IQ. I'm running the show. I can fucking talk about whatever I want to talk about. Um, you see here, I've drafted 42 BBM teams. I haven't actually haven't updated this today. Um, let's look at DraftKings. But this is a good time to talk about. Uh, I think I've, I think I've gotten to a hundred. I'm really trying to push through this five dollar milli so I can get this fucking thing over with. 
Um, but really quick to prove to, to, to kind of sh show this point about the player combination thing, even me, uh, Paul said CD Paul said he had like, he was doing CD with different players in the middle of the second round CD Debo. I've drafted a hundred teams. Do you think I have any CD Debo? No. Is there any particular reason you shouldn't have any CD Debo teams other than this ADP construct that we've like put on ourselves? Not really. Right. Uh, even like CD Kelsey, I have a bunch of Kelsey. Three, three teams. I have, um, hold on one second. I have, doo -doo, I should have just searched it. Sorry. I have 23%, as you see here, I have 23% Travis, Travis Kelsey. Also, my, even still getting 23%, uh, I'm I'm getting a tiny little baby smidge of value on him. So I have 23% Travis Kelsey. And despite having 23% Travis Kelsey uh, in 100 teams, I have three with him and C.D. Lamb. Let's use the Kelsey one. Um, uh, here's A.J. Brown. What about Travis Kelsey and A.J. Brown? I'm, I'm, I have 23%. Travis Kelsey, AJ Brown is like a priority target for me. I don't have, I don't have that. Perfect question. Perfect question. Uh, from Hayden. What about Kelsey and Javante? Three, three total team. As again, as you guys know, I just have ranted about Travis Kelsey being a stand. I'm trying to take on DraftKings. You guys know full well, Javante is one of my dudes. And I have three total teams. Three. And then you look. And then you look. And you're like, all of them have Alec Pierce. Is there any particular reason they all have Alec Pierce? Of course not. But that just happened. Right? It just happened. And like all, like you'll start to see when you look at the player combination stuff, you're like, shit. <laughs> Either A, most importantly, I don't have enough Travis Kelsey and Javante Williams. That's my favorite week 17 game. Um, those are my, these are probably my two, even aside from the week 17 bullshit, the Broncos and chiefs are like my two favorite teams to target. I basically, even if they didn't play in week 17, I would probably want a chief or a Bronco on every team. They're like part of this 2022 landscape thing, which we'll get to the net. We're running a little behind, but there's a, I, I want to talk about the uncertainty around player movement, you know, new teams, players, changing teams, whatever. And that has created a buying opportunity on the Broncos and the chiefs. And I love Javante Williams. I'm way higher on him than market. Again, you can go look at the spike week rankings and you'll see I'm way higher on Javante than market. And I have Travis Kelsey as my sixth overall player. And he goes, anywhere from ninth to 11th or whatever. So I'm clearly higher on Travis Kelsey. I don't have that combination of players. And, and then not only do I not have it, every team I have thereafter with the, the, the whopping three out of a hundred teams, they all have Alec Pierce. Why? I don't know. I like Alec Pierce, but like, he's not like <laughs> some, some crazy big target. Let's actually see how much Alec Pierce I have. I 
do have 18% Alec Pierce, which is also way higher than I would have thought. I didn't, I didn't, and I haven't gotten very good ADP value. I think I was taking him pretty early, uh, in early rounds or uh, early drafts. But, but like you see, right? Like it, if you run through this exercise of thinking about these, these things, you discover. <clears throat> different ways that you should approach your drafts where you're like the, the, the CD uh, Debo one was, a, was a good example. I don't think CD or Debo, either one of them are first round picks, but are they in the same relative tier to everyone from the one Oh six to the two Oh six? Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's pretty much what the market has said. So why then would I not want to have any teams with both of them together? There's not that doesn't make any real sense other than I'm just being hamstrung by the ADP. Right. Um, sorry, there's been some comments. I uh, definitely, definitely live a little. Um, How many rounds down the board does this opposite sides of the board thing apply five-ish rounds before ADP range becomes too wide? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have a... It's, it actually happens pretty fairly quick, I think, um, to your point, to, to, Hay- to Hayden's point. I think um, the gaps in... It's funny because it's like it's like a barbell. At the beginning of drafts, you have these tier breaks that are like gigantic, right? The difference, in my opinion, of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and anyone you can draft at the 106 is is seriously so massive. So that's one end of the barbell where there's like, I don't know, there's like 25 dudes after Jamar Chase that are like the same fucking guy. Like, I, I prefer Travis Kelsey and Stefan Diggs personally. Tony prefers Najee. Some people prefer Eckler. Some people prefer Derrick Henry. Whatever. Point that that's kind of the point is that after those guys, I don't know. They're all the they're all the, Saquon. Some people prefer Saquon. They're all in this like exact same tier. So you have this barbell end down here. And it goes till whatever. So you have this little again to this 2020 environment. The beginning of drafts you have this weird dichotomy of this thing where there's like one little baby tier of five players and then one huge tier of all the same players and but then you reach another tier where it's like that's not necessarily true you do have a small tier i think you know the hollywoods dj moores the broncos wide receivers um (laughs) gabe davis uh alan robinson whatever and the elite quarterbacks once you start throwing in the quarterbacks, it gets a little tricky. But a kind of a, another lumping in there kind of of a tier. And then you reach a really heavy tier break there thereafter. Um, let me, I should, I should not have unshared. Sorry. Uh, I'll go to, let me go to underdog. I prefer to look at the underdog ADP. So if we sort by, if we sort by ADP, right? So we get down to, um, Let's let's say here, right? I know I know people really like the Chargers wide receivers, and that's what's kind of keeping them where where they're at. But to, to me, 
I mean, we can we can we can argue about where this tier break lies somewhere around here. But to me, you get past like AJ Brown or whatever, or or if you want to include the the Chargers wide receiver in that top tier, and and I like Michael Pittman fine, but like I, I can't include Michael Pittman in the same tier as AJ Brown. I'm I, I can't I can't do it. So right, you get into some range here, and you're like I don't know, all these dudes of AJ Brown versus versus Debo Samuel and Mike Evans, I don't know. Not that different, right? C.D. Lamb versus A.J. What's the difference between C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown? So anyway, you have that. Then you kind of get into this weird, this little little weird area, you know, like I said, Hollywood, Waddle, McLaurin. I, I would call these guys kind of their own little tier. If you want to mix and match within there, I think that is okay. But I wouldn't mix and match from outside of, I don't know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't start if you like Brandon Cooks. I wouldn't start mixing Brandon Cooks in over these guys up here, over Jalen Waddle and and Gabe Davis. It's I would treat this differently than that weird first to third round tier, right? But then you get you get down here. Look, <laughs> shocker that Josh Jacobs is the cutoff, right? <clears throat> you get to Josh Jacobs. Once you once once Josh Jacobs is the top player left in the queue, you're like, yep, we've hit this fucking god awful spot of the draft that I hate everybody, right? I really like, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I like, but like, I really like Chris. I mean, Chris Godwin's maybe my favorite player in the entire NFL. He blew out his knee at the end of the season. You know, I don't feel super confident in that. Amari Cooper is going to be playing with Jacoby Brissett, right? AJ Dillon is on the Packers as a early down grinder splitting the backfield with, with Aaron Jones not catching any passes. And Devontae Adams isn't on the team anymore. So the offense might stink, but he goes here, right? Dalton Schultz. Like, we're taking Dalton Schultz. <laughs> Dalton Schultz goes 67th overall. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Russell Gage goes 69th overall. Why do these guys go there? Because there's nobody fucking left to take in this tier. Right. So when we talk to then to, to Hayden's point here, like, when do you think about this mixing and matching stuff? Like, dude, if you want to take Elijah Moore a little early, if you want to take Drake London a little early, if you want to take whatever Russ, you want to take any of the, if you, or if you like the guys I just shit on, <laughs> that's fine. If you want to take on Renfro or Alan Lazard or whatever, you take Alan Lazard over Dalton Schultz, who gives a shit like that? There's no difference in those guys. You know what I mean? So, it's it's playing through those little pockets, and I think it's most important in what we've shown here, these top 80 picks or whatever, if that if that makes sense. Um let's see here. Do, do, do. This is true. This is definitely true. The other thing, what percentage fill rate on tournaments before we really get into uniqueness? Um two two things. One I don't worry about it a ton, except that I only get 150 bullets. It's it's not even just about uniqueness, like, oh, this is super unique in the tournament. It's like I have a people people think you're like, oh, I get to draft 150 times. And then you draft a hundred and you don't have like I don't I've drafted a hundred teams. I don't have CD Lamb and Debo. Is there a reason? Nope. I, I don't have a reason. It just happened because I was being strict to ADP. I'm not trying to be unique necessarily for every combo against the field. That's, of course, a perk. 
but I'm also like, I don't know. I just want, I, I, I'm the reason I draft CD early, like what Paul was doing, or the reason I'm drafting Travis Kelsey 106 is to, is literally to get all those combinations, not just because of uniqueness, but because I, I want to have Travis Kelsey with every single one of those other players. And so it's not just about, how, how you know how unique is this going to be is the adp going to shift whatever and then the other thing i think on underdog specifically which obviously is who hayden works for <clears throat> and where most people draft the adp's a lot closer to locked in we're going to get some shifts from injuries and some camp reports that we didn't expect but i don't think we're going to get i mean gabe davis isn't going to be a second round pick <laughs> you know what i mean like um those kinds of things. Debo Samuel's not going to go. CD Lamb's not going to go 106. It can't happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. So there, we can also be smart about that. So we can, you know, I, I, they, I would say there are probably certain players I would be less interested in thinking about the unique combinations for. I don't have, I don't necessarily have one of those off the top of my head, but um, I think we can also be smart enough to kind of think through think through that part you you said it uh tony we've spent a lot of time here on the the first maybe we'll have to do another we'll have to do a, a fo- this will be a part one this will be a part one to uh <laughs> the 2022 landscape because that conversation hopefully you guys uh uh enjoyed it because it was actually really good for me and i i really enjoyed that conversation but there's about 50 other things I wanted to cover in terms of the 2022 draft environment. So maybe we'll double back and do a, and do a follow-up show. Cause I do want to hit some of you guys comments. Cause I prefer, I prefer that than me talking. I prefer listening to what you guys have to say and, uh, and uh, talking those, those things through. Let's see. Yeah. Just a uh, hit on Hayden was having some conversation with people. I think it's very true through five and still kind of true until about Ryan round nine. I think that's a, I think that's a like pretty damn spot on assessment of how I would put it. Like once you, you know, that's the, that's the other thing. People will be like, Oh, it's a unique combination to take this 13th round player in the 11th round. Like, no, it's fucking not like stop. We don't care about it there. But in the first X amount of rounds, people are very, very, very rigid to ADP. And in as, as Hayden says here, even through like round nine or whatever, you have a general idea of a, a, tight pocket where most players are going to go. And so you can be smart about mixing and matching those things. And again, it's also, it's not just like I'm creating uniqueness against the field, which is an aspect to it. That's a variable, but it is, I am implementing this, this Najee Harris strategy, this Travis Kelsey strategy, or like, I just don't want all my Justin Jefferson teams to be the same. (laughs) Like I want, Justin Jefferson's probably if, if you had to pick one player, you were like, who could you just take on every team this year? It would probably be Justin Jefferson for me. And it's like, I don't want all my Justin Jefferson teams to look the same. So guess what? I'm going to reach a little bit here. And then maybe in another draft, somebody falls or whatever. And so I'm thinking about that again, like through, you know, seven to nine rounds. I'm thinking about that. And then, you know, by the, by the 12th round, who gives a shit? I'm just trying to make the best team, but I am thinking about, those things. Um, but I have to know that going in. 
you know, I have to know, do I have any Debo and CD? Nope, zero. I have to know, do I have any Justin Jefferson and Debo? I don't know. I want to... Now you guys uh, have got me on this. My mind is in a pretzel. Now I'm going to look. Oh, here's on underdog. So let's just look at Justin Jefferson teams. If we can start with literally one, just start with literally one player. I just said Justin Jefferson's one of my favorite players. I have eight. <clears throat> so I have 19% Justin Jefferson. So I'm clearly taking him not just at his ADP. I've taken him a little bit different than there. Eight out of 42. Is there any particular reason that 75% of those Justin Jefferson teams have Dante Foreman? I mean, I really like Dante Foreman, but 75% of the teams having <laughs> having Justin, Justin, Justin Jefferson and Dante Foreman is not necessarily. Uh, th- this is maybe a better example, right? So, like, you start stacking up. So, here's a good one. So, uh, 60, right? Five of my eight. Justin Jefferson teams have Gabe Davis, which depending, I'm okay with that, but depending on how you feel about (laughs) Gabe Davis, you may not want that. Also 50% of my Justin Jefferson teams have T Higgins or Trey Lance, Alberto, right? So then what if I look at, I look at the combination of those two. So there's 16, no, there's five teams I know that have both of these guys. Well, three of them then. So I have, I have eight Justin Jefferson teams. Five of them have Gabe Davis. Three of those have Gabe Davis and T. Higgins. Three of those have all these dudes. Do I want that? Right? So you start you start playing with this stuff, and that's where the, the draft environment comes in. This is happening solely because of the draft environment, where the ADP falls on all these guys. And I am a we're all we're humans, we're suckers to it, right? And so it just happens that like, that's the guy who's available (laughs) at the pick on the teams that these work out. And like, is there any reason that I have 60% of, of, uh, you know, Donta Foreman, Justin Jefferson, Gabe Davis? No, not really. I mean, I'm fine with it because I like those guys, but you start to realize really quickly that I only have five Justin Jefferson and Gabe Davis teams, two of my personal favorite players. And then you see really quickly that there's a lot of dudes you don't have on those teams. So now imagine these are players I'm heavily exposed to, right? I have 20% Justin Jefferson. I have a <laughs> 35 or 40% Gabe Davis. So I have, these are like two top exposure players. And I already have tons of dudes that I don't have on teams with them. So if you only draft 8% of every single player, you may never get Justin Jefferson and Gabe Davis together. You may never get Justin Jefferson, Gabe Davis, and MVS. You may never get any of that. And that's just strictly through probably drafting off ADP and not looking at your portfolio. Okay. We've gone down a rabbit hole. We've gone down a rabbit hole. This tool is changing, uh, legit changing. Me too. Rob said, this tool is changing how I draft. It's changing how I draft. And I thought it's so fucked up. I thought I was like thinking through a lot of these things. And you realize, you realize two things really, like really quick. When you start to actually dive into this, you're like, I thought I was thinking through the, uh, the unique combos, 
the the making sure I have Travis Kelsey with this guy and this guy and this guy, whatever. You thought you were doing that, and then you look at it really quick, and you realize very quick that you're not. And without actually knowing, it's fucking impossible. Like, literally without digging into this, I never would have known. There's so many of these examples that I could point to where it just like, I mean, like I said, just so I have eight Justin Jefferson teams, you know, I don't know. Let's uh, let me try and try and find somebody here. That makes sense. I'm trying to see if I can like, do I have a, do I have a Justin Jefferson and Kyler team? I don't know. Kyler is my favorite quarterback and Justin Jefferson is my favorite wide receiver. Do I, do I have any of those teams too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like, am I implementing my strategy correctly? I don't know. And now look at this. The only play, like I have three players, fucking Donta Foreman. Like why is Donta Foreman on every one, <laughs> every one of these teams? Drake London. I understand why he's on there, but, but like Albert O do I want Albert O on all my Kyler and Justin Jefferson teams? No. And I really like Alberto too. But same thing. Like, do does do these numbers make sense? These guys, you know, or more particularly, do the guys make sense that aren't on this list? You know, um, that's the most interesting thing. Uh, shout out, John. Yeah, th this tool literally has definitely changed, um, changed changed my life. Let me hit some of the comments and then. This was not uh, how I plan, how I expected this. <laughs> this was going to go. So what we're going to do is do a follow up show to talk through the rest of the 2022 kind of draft environment ideas. But to be fair, there's a lot, and I, I do think like kind of what we led, what we turned the top five conversation into was really productive. So we will follow up uh, with kind of some more, some more detail. Yeah, unconscious inherent bias. That's what happens. You, it's absolutely, it's absolutely unconscious. You have no idea. And the best part is, it's, it's, it's. You think, you think you're being conscious about it, right? You think you know that you have this bias, so you're gonna, you're gonna draft the different combinations, right? I, I. I literally myself and hacker who's in the chat literally built this fucking tool. And so I feel like I'm as aware about the player combination thing as anybody on the planet. And I live best. I live, eat, drink, sleep, best ball. And I am every single day uncovering things about the teams I've drafted that I didn't know, didn't plan for, don't like, <laughs> don't want, whatever. And I'm actually consciously when I'm going through drafts trying to avoid it, but it just still happens and you don't even realize that it happens. This is definitely true. Anyone who's uh, talking about portfolios and isn't, and it doesn't have to, obviously it doesn't have to be this tool. I'm, I don't imagine anybody else has built anything like this tool, but you're definitely shooting from the hip. Um, David says it's hard to really think shit through when you have 30 seconds to pick hundred percent. And that's why, that's why talking about this, like we're talking about it and um, 
analyzing your portfolio is so important. I, I actually haven't been draft. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. I haven't been drafting as much of late because um, when I get the free time that would be draft time, I'm spending it to do this. Like, show me Justin Jefferson and Kyler Murray, right? Show me Gabriel Davis and whatever. Uh, this is a better one because it's harder to get. Show me Gabriel Davis and Jamar Chase. Oh, fuck. I only got two. I really like Jamar Chase. I really like Gabriel Davis. I only got two. Oh, damn. They all have, both of them have Daryl Henderson. And somehow uh, I also did the T. Higgins and Jamar Chase thing, which I actually don't like <laughs> in, in BBM, right? So I have one Gabriel Davis and Jamar Chase team that doesn't have T. Higgins. I have one Gabriel Davis and Jamar Chase team that doesn't have Mike Williams. I have one Gabriel Davis and Jamar Chase team that doesn't have, let's pick another person that's random, right? Deshaun Watson, who I don't particularly want, right? I, but I, without doing that and kind of analyzing it and figuring out what you actually have in that portfolio, there's no way for you to, to you definitely can't do it in that 30 second clock without doing kind of the analysis. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, GA says, what's the elite quarterback requirement? And I think it's top six rounds because Kyler and those guys go in the top six. I don't know if hackers in the, I don't know if hackers in the first five, first five rounds, um, which you see over here in best ball mania. I have, Oh, that's, I still have it filtered. And I was like, what the fuck? I only have one elite quarterback team. Um, but there's another thing you see with Gabe Davis and Jamar Chase. I have only, you know, zero uh, between two teams. I have one zero running back team and one hero running back team. I have one elite quarterback team and I have one elite tight end team. And obviously they both have Buffalo and Cincy stacks since they are inherently a stack. But then I can, you know, you can, you can just see what the hell is going on and again, doubling it back to kind of this 2022 environment type thing. Some of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is because of what the 2022 draft environment is. It just hap ADP exists. Players are only available at certain times in drafts. And so these things happen without you knowing that they're going to happen or without you even thinking that they did happen. Um, let's see. John says, Eric, if you had this tool from, Ooh, this is a good question. Eric, if you had this tool from day one of BBM, how would it change your approach to a contest? How would you best leverage it? Um, it's 1 million percent. The, um, I don't want to say just player combinations because that doesn't actually totally um, describe it, but that's the easiest term to put to it. It is the play that this, this player combination. So like the, I know people love, and I love, you know, the structure roster build looking at week 17, whatever. Um, the one, the one thing about week 17 that is incredible is being able to see the actual, right. I can see which, which specific combat. So I'm going to lump this, week 17 stacks and week 16 stacks and stuff into this player combination thing. This is included in the thing that I would use. It is. So for me personally, and if you have 
the approach that's kind of the antithesis of this where you are you are the diversification bro right you want to draft 8% of every player that's fine we disagree but that that's fine but i would even if i did that i would go in and i would say that is my strategy but let me see okay i just did a draft let me right so when, every time you do a every time you do a draft for for anybody that that doesn't know i'm going to share this really fast um when you want to when you want to just push push uh an update you just go back to like say underdog like obviously right here i'm looking at underdog right and i would click i would click to get lineups for spike week like if i did another bbm i would push it right away and send it and send it to to draft to draft iq and then i would literally like kind of like assess like almost after every draft like this right okay i just did a i have um you know whatever whatever i just did a draft i know i did the draft and i drafted um mike williams in that draft and i would be like okay i'm trying to do eight percent eight percent of every team or eight percent of every team eight percent of every player and so i'd be like okay what did my mike williams teams like actually look like and be like let's let's investigate those teams specifically right and go through here and look at them and then you start here right and then you drill down even further okay shit uh mike williams my highest owned player with mike williams is gabe davis let's look at that and then because i can i can adjust and be like okay maybe i'm going to go to 10 percent on this player or 12 percent on this player because of i just made some mistakes within that and it, it's it's as you said it is totally something you're doing absolutely unintentionally where like even if you want to be a diversification bro you're going to do things that actually aren't diversified right i want to draft 10% of every player round numbers i want to draft 10% of every player but then i get into it and i say okay i am drafting 10% of every player right i'm massaging I'm massaging my individual raw player exposure, Mike Williams and Gabe Davis. And you're like, okay, now let's look. I got my 10% of Mike Williams. I got my Gabe Davis. Now let's look at Mike Williams and Gabe Davis teams. And you're like, well, actually, I have all the same players on Mike Williams and Gabe Davis, right? I have Daniel Jones on all of those teams. Or I have Javante Williams or whatever. You think you're diversifying within an individual player and you are within that individual player, but that it ends up not being diversification. So that is from that angle. From me personally, to answer your question, how I specifically would, would approach it, it would be very similar, except I, I am obviously much more interested in taking some player level stance. As you guys see here, I have you know uh, a lot of, of multiple multiple players. But I would be constantly, after like every draft, massaging those comp uh, those combinations. I'd be like, I took Gabe again, and here's the Gabe team. I you know I took I took Gabriel Davis again. This time, you know, for fucking once, I don't have Dante Foreman on that team, right? I have Christian McCaffrey. Please God, let me. I, I bet I bet I don't have one of these. One. 
So every Gabe Davis team has Foreman. One of them, one of them has, has CMC. I, I pray to God they okay. I didn't I didn't handcuff him at least. I didn't handcuff him. But it I would be like, that's the thing, right? You get the 104 or the 102, and you're like, Gabe is because for me, individual players are a part of my strategy, right? Gabe is a part of my strategy. Kyler is a part of my strategy. Trey Lance is a part of my strategy, etc. Travis Kelsey, like we talked about earlier, the top five. And so I w- you don't need to do this for every player, right? Like I don't really, I, I, other than maybe the week 17 correlations, like I don't give a fuck about Hunter Renfro teams. He's not a key part of my strategy I only have so many hours in the day <laughs> to to research this. I do care about like if I have Trey Lance Debo teams, I you know, I want to look into those and I want Renfro to be a part of that. But I don't I'm not diving that deep. But the when I when I start a year and I say Gabe is a part of my strategy, right? These are my corner pieces, going back to the very beginning shit we were talking about. My corner pieces or the or the edge pieces of my puzzle. I want to know what those teams look like. I don't really care what the Damian Harris teams look like. Like I probably just took him when he fell really far and like, whatever it is, what it is. But I have these five to 10 things that are like the core part of my strategy for the year. I want to know what those look like. What's missing from those. And I'm like, I'm, Happy you brought this up because it was an excellent question and also mad you brought this up because there's a lot of, because that we, I didn't use this when we very first started um, drafting teams. And like, there's a lot of things I have missed because I wasn't using this. And so, you know, obviously we built it, uh, you know, all of that, it comes off as bias or whatever, but I really do think like, it's the most life-changing thing for a best ball player that I've ever experienced. It has changed my life. I mean, I, I obviously love Gabriel Davis and who the fuck doesn't like Christian McCaffrey. I only have one team of them. And it, and, and I, as you guys know, I'm not a robust running back person. Here's a fun one. Let's look at this really fast. Oh, damn it. Wrong button. Um, so I have one team out of 42 that has Gabe and Christian McCaffrey, which is like, sounds really fucked when you think about it. If you know me at all, cause I like CMC <laughs> uh, and I obviously love, love Gabe. And it, the only one of them is robust running back. If you look at structures, it literally doesn't even make the screen. What the fuck? Hold on. I'm refreshing. It literally doesn't even, <laughs> This bit is impressive, by the way. I have, so here we go. So you see now, I have in 42 teams, I have five total robust running back teams. One of them is my Gabe Davis CMC team. Why is my only Gabe Davis and CMC team a robust running back team? I wasn't planned. I don't, I don't fucking want robust running back teams like hardly ever. As you can see, the fact that I only have five of them and I have 11 zero RB and you know, whatever, but it just happened. And how would you know if you looked, you're like, 
if you like if you like CMC and Gabe and like you just looked at your raw exposure, like you go, you know, obviously if, if it would be in underdog or whatever, but you go and you see, oh look, I want to take a stand on Gabe. I got 43%. And I'm about at the field on CMC, which is like just about all you can hope for for a top two pick. You're like, cool. I probably got a couple teams of those guys. A, you might not have a couple teams of those guys. B, the teams you have of those guys probably don't look like you would hope them to look. So anyway, this has um, this has definitely gone down a different path than I expected it to. As I said, we will come back and talk about uh, kind of some of the... Well, this will be a part one. We're turning into a fucking Netflix series with this. But I do think it's important to talk about some of the other stuff. I'm really excited to talk about some of the other elements to um also my dogs are getting very excited they're about they're just starting to play so this is perfect timing um to wrap it up if you want to get access to that tool uh we were just we were just talking about go to spikeweek.com slash go dash premium and uh, it's only 25 bucks a month you get access to that our premium rankings we didn't even show because we didn't do a draft we didn't even show the draft overlays that have been done on underdog and uh, yep. Yep. It's playtime there. They just ran all I could hear them. They probably ran around our entire upstairs and then back on down and chasing each other. So it's time to wrap it up. Um, we'll be back tomorrow to do a draft stream. This was, this was a lot of fun and we're going to, like I said, part two, part two will be coming soon. Um, I think the same time tomorrow for a a drafter's draft, but I will see you guys uh, tomorrow.